Hello everyone. So if you're listening to this, then either me and or Mr. Chris are dead or incapacitated, and this is the one-off, the spare, no-holds-barred witchcraft slash ramblings podcasts that I've recorded. So presumably something is probably we're all right I would imagine is probably just that we forgot to upload something so this is kicked in but just on the odd chance that we are in fact dead or in hospital or something like that uh no need to worry everything's already been planned out so what am I going to talk about today well I don't currently know what is going on in the world or what any of you are necessarily getting up to so what else can I do but pick random crap to ramble on about? After all, Chris isn't here. I'm just doing a couple of these so that we've got some content. Because I know that, you know, what's worse than if you guys don't get content? I don't know. I can't think of anything worse. Oh, look, one of you's texted me just now and I don't even know who that is. Da, da, da. Interesting. So, assuming that there is something wrong with me or Chris, what would happen to this little community? After all, there's the in-person meetings and such, so people that we see each other, you know, we see in person. There's the video call mentoring program. There's the website. There's the Facebook groups, all that kind of thing. What would you do if we were not here? If we'd been killed off or maybe just thrown our rattles out of the pram and thought, fuck this, I ain't doing this shit no more. I'm going to go and fake my own death or just stop using social media and such. What would people do? Well, it's interesting. I suppose some people would carry on and have fond memories of various assignments and stuff that we'd given them or various ways we'd fucked with certain people <laughs> to teach them lessons or just the general, you know, archive of the podcast and that. I'm not entirely sure what would happen to the archives and that. I would imagine it would keep going for a little bit and then, like with a lot of things on the internet, if it hadn't been downloaded, platforms would change, settings would update and eventually it all been deleted, which is interesting because I've often thought, and this is one of the things me and Chris have kind of agreed on, over the years having talked about things like this that we don't really want to leave a legacy or anything there we don't want to create a magical tradition and leave it behind we don't necessarily even want to write books or leave anything there in fact to me personally I've often had a lot of thoughts about what I'd like to do in terms of leaving a dead body because I don't really like the whole crematorium thing um not because I dislike being set on fire or anything like that. I just think that it's not exactly the most, you know, not exactly the best uh, for the environment and that. And at the same time, there's a lot of people that would probably like to get their hands on my head. And I really, really, what I'm more worried about is having to deal with a lot of you fuckers after I finally popped my clogs, which basically means... Retirement, you know, death is like retirement for a lot. I'd like to dissolve away without being all G'd up and shook up like a snow globe. And I know there are certain people that wouldn't, 
you know, would be more than happy to be the ones phoning up dialer spirit every five minutes. But there we go. So what is the closest thing I could give in terms of a legacy? I don't know. If I did give you information and such like that, what use would it be? If I haven't learned anything since teaching, and in all honesty, I haven't, um, <laughs> it would be that you can try and break things down super simply and write it down in as simpler terms as you can possibly manage with examples and such and draw pretty pictures and diagrams and such. And the other person still isn't going to understand necessarily. I've tried this numerous occasions, not just teaching magic and occult science and such, but other things. I never underestimate other people's inability to comprehend or understand what I am saying. And I generally think that I'm a fairly decent communicator, because at least I try to put myself in other people's shoes and give examples and such. Obviously, it's a little easier in person because you can kind of go by the expressions on their faces and you're generally just talking to one individual. So you tailor everything to one individual. But something like this, rambling on and chatting, like this sort of thing would be, you know, the lawyer comes in the room to read out the will and it says, I've got to play this audio thing. And then I pop up and say, hello, everyone. I'm glad to have left you all behind fuck you, you're not getting anything. The wills says that everything's being left to the cat's home. <laughs> but I don't know. I suppose I could take the opportunity to talk a little bit about my magical path, because that makes sense. If we're going to do this after all, then I guess you would want some sort of a look or a peek at my magical path which both me and Chris tend to keep somewhat quiet. You could speculate as to why that is. Um, primarily, probably because it's boring. It's not exactly the most interesting. Most of what we talk about and do revolves around other people. And, you know, it's very difficult to talk about such things because there's the whole idea of confidentiality. And I'm not just talking about GDPR in the UK, so data protection laws, and talking about other people. I'm really just talking about other people, students, people that we mentor. They probably don't want us talking about them and their unique uh, magical paths. The people in secret societies and little covens and stuff certainly don't want us talking about stuff. In fact, they're very careful of what they tell us. In fact, if it wasn't for the fact that we don't take no messing and maybe use some, they call it charm for a reason, don't they? Use some charms in order to make them all blabbermouth and tell us stuff that they are not normally willing to tell us. Uh, if it weren't for that, then they probably wouldn't confide the things that they do in us. But there we go. So, talking about me, I suppose. So, my name's Liam. I've gone by a number of different names, but that was the name that I was gifted at birth. Um, other names I've been given have been not particularly nice names, you know, by people that dislike me, you know. Nicknames from friends that are quite nice, even though somewhat obscure, and then potentially professional names as well, of which I'm probably not going to say, because that's well outside of the scope of my occult uh, upbringing, let's say. 
So I was born into what most people would consider to be or what I think they call a split family. So that basically means that I'm a bastard. OK, all these people that say I'm a bastard is true. Normally they call me a bastard because uh, they think I'm nasty. Actually, I'm a bastard because I was born out of wedlock, <laughs> an old man marriage contract. Both my mum and dad managed to get out of by not participating in, in the first place. So I grew up in two kind of households, I suppose. So I have my mum, who's very not very atheist she's not militant atheist but she only believes in what she can see and is not interested in any way shape or form of investigating anything other than what's bland and right in front of her despite numerous odd things that obviously having a child such as myself is brought upon her world she tends to put her fingers in your ears and says i don't want to tempt fate la 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 there's been a lots of instances where she's had to contend with things that are, let's say, of a supernatural, paranormal nature. She normally says, I don't believe on that, but I don't want any part of it. Let's not talk about it type of thing. My dad, on the other hand, very extremist Christian, so fundamentalist, believes the world is 6,000 years old and, you know, original sin and their evolution isn't a thing and all that kind of thing so that's very very interesting um i was given a lot of freedom to basically do whatever the fuck i wanted by my mum as long as it wasn't anything you know terribly evil or twisted or crazy and uh, funnily enough contrary to popular belief i was not some kind of evil sinister child that used to burn ants with a magnifying glass although i admit i have done that once just to see what would happen but you know i didn't derive any pleasure from it i just saw that on a cartoon and thought that's surely not actually going to happen and it actually did uh but there we go <laughs> so the two different lives is quite an interesting one because on the one hand i had quite a lot of freedom to do what i wanted Although growing up in a somewhat rural area, it was a, a little town, but it was mainly full of old people, to be honest with you, where me and my mum lived. And then spending the other half of the week or a lot of, you know, 50% of my time with my dad. Um, eventually, my dad met my stepmum, the step monster. And uh, I get on a lot well. I, I get on a lot better with her these days than I did back when they first got together. But that's stepchildren, step parents and all that for you, isn't it? Uh, they're both very fundamentalist Christian, very interesting, fascinating. Um, and obviously they wanted their children, so me and my two sisters, to grow up to be Christian. Normally the best way of doing that is to essentially put the fear in God, put the fear of God in them, you know? generally how they do it isn't it because at the end of the day who's going to live a fucked up biblical life if they can get away with leading a fun life and if you do live quite a biblical life which they do try compared to a lot of other christians they really do try they certainly are not the put on the sunday best and pretend on a sunday once you go to church they are very much a case of practice what they preach 
course, there's all sorts of scandals and such in our family history that they have been involved with that I probably should not talk about that may think and seem somewhat unchristian. But I suppose both of them would say that they weren't Christians at the time. And let's be fair, people that have committed all sorts of atrocities, sins and crimes often do escape and run away to monasteries and, you know, become monks and nuns and such. So you can kind of see it as an escape. But anyway, growing up with those two signs gave me a certain sense of perspective. So whereas my sisters, because I have a stepsister and a half-sister, won the result of the marriage between my stepmom and dad, and one which was my stepmom's daughter from previous relationship, previous marriage, um, we are fairly close. Uh, growing up there was a little bit of an age difference but both of them had to live a hundred percent in that Christian world. I got to escape it you see which gave me a certain level of grounding in a, and an actual escape they didn't. So it was very hard on them and it has taken its toll from a mental health perspective on both of them I would say. Um, one of them talks about it the other one not as much but you know the cracks and such are still there but for me it was very interesting because I was very very quiet child I was very interested in human psychology and why people behave the way they do and such and I'm also a completely manipulative sociopath so for me I'm happy to play people at their own game and I find it quite enjoyable because that's the best thing about a game is there's rules not only is it fun but there's rules and an aim and an objective and such one of the things that's always kept me on the straight and narrow is this idea that life and the world is a game and there are a lot of people that do crazy nasty terrible horrendous things um which a lot of people would think is terrible and how can they do that and all that kind of thing which you know i can kind of emphasize i think with that point but I mean, I don't really get any warm and gooey when you hear about evil dictators and such committing terrible atrocities. I just kind of feel like they cheated. You know, they cheated the game. So what is the game? The game of life, which is an actual board game I think you can buy. So the game for me was very much about understanding how people do the things they do, why they do the things they do. Because when you've got toys to play with, yeah, I liked building robots and I liked building things. And then I liked destroying them after and then rebuilding other things, you know. But one thing that I did find is extremely amusing, which is very complicated, a lot more and more complicated than Lego and Meccano. That's humans, because humans are toys, aren't they, at the end of the day? They can be manipulated and you know, you can dress them up and make them fight and such, just like you can with Legos. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make me sound very good, does it? Let's skip to a good part. Okay, so growing up on the outskirts, let's say, of the church, or just outside of the church, but always getting, kind of being pulled in, was fascinating, because I got to notice all of this manipulation that goes on and learn a lot from it. I learned a lot from it. What can I say? I learned a lot from it. I started to use tactics against people. 
um, for fun and amusement and entertainment because that was the game I was taught to play. Okay. Obviously, people get very upset when you play the game that they think that they're good at better than them. But there we go. So why am I saying all of this? Well, I'm saying this because this is literally a rambling. I haven't thought about any of the stuff that I am going to talk about, but I need to talk about something. So this is going to be a very, very long drawn out hour of me trying to fill things uh, or fill this hour, possibly multiple hours, actually, technically, because I need to do a couple of these episodes. But multiple hours of me telling you a little bit about my life and such, you know, it's for you to get an understanding the perspective of me at the end of the day, which some people are interested in that, some people aren't interested in that. Um, I try my best to share things, but at the same time, you know, I only really do that because I'm a robot because it serves a purpose. It illustrates a point or someone else has a similar story to me you know I don't really have much of a, a need for people to like me or be my friend or know a lot about me but I'm suppose I'm giving it a little bit of a go to try and let people in so manipulation church all of that kind of thing there was this concept this concept of their monotheism this concept of there being a god jesus or the trinity and such which i knew to be an interesting concept so the thing with me um growing up is that from an early age i'm able to sense see and feel energy i can see it i can sense it i can manipulate it and it didn't take me that long in fact it took me until reception class which is like year before year one in in primary school you have nursery then you have reception then you have year one two three four five and six and then you go to big school so it was one day whilst playing in the they had these water play home corner type setups i was playing there that i understood the manipulation of basic elementals manipulating water to get people wet and such like that uh, was quite amusing laws of physics bending type stuff which the good thing about being a child is a secret that i think is an occult secret that a lot of people don't necessarily think that much about they repeat it but they don't think about it children are great because they don't know what's possible you know everything's new as long as they have a as long as they're able to channel enough energy and power they can make some wonderful things manifest because they don't know any different imagination they say is the key to the universe and the bird of paradise comes only to an open palm children are able to manifest all sorts of crazy as magical shit without much effort and people often new agers and such talk about how this is bred out of them on purpose and that kind of thing well it's not in order to progress to a great magical ability in that you cannot just take the mentality the mentality of anything is possible and everything is possible because what you'll notice is there are limitations there are limitations of what even children can manifest even children with a considerable amount of energy power like magic wise 
what really is required is duality dual thinking you know and that is the ability to let go of structure but also the ability to take on and understand structure it's very interesting that people tend to gravitate more towards being more left brain thinking or right brain thinking so either more creative types or more kind of clinical science mathematical equation logical types and in order to progress past the abyss you need to take both of those on you need to set with one foot on one and one foot on the other you cannot do it with just one they can bring you to the edge but you cannot cross without both of those feet otherwise you'll be hopping and that's just not a good look so with regards to where people set out and where people start off on their magical journey everyone is different but there are similarities between groups of people and one of the things that i do find is absolutely ridiculous and identified very early on that was completely fucking ridiculous when i was a child why does magic or anything really get taught to all people children adults whatever in the same fucking way when everyone's an individual why is it why is it taught in the same way and growing up in the british education system there was big emphasis on different types of learners kinesthetic learners and you know people that have to learn by doing people that are more auditory and listen people that need to watch or read you know all that sort of shit there's a considerable amount of money and such that's pushed towards trying to suss out how children learn and then what they do is they take that information and they do fuck all with it because it's still children sat down at desks listening to a teacher in front of a what used to be a whiteboard or a blackboard and now interactive boards we have the interactive whiteboards started to come in with the overhead projectors and smart pens and such when i was a kid um it's just some fucking teacher rabbiting on you know when you look at a, the occult world one of the things that should be very obvious to anyone that studied the occult is that it's all mystery and it's all people trying to go out of their way to fucking protect secrets with at the same time trying to also reveal those secrets and teach those secrets i mean what sort of head fuckery is this you're either protecting something or you're trying to pass that knowledge on and some people talk about well passing knowledge on to only the worthy you know as heinrich griffith i believe said the profane okay you're talking about mundane and such that were unworthy the problem is with this is that who decides who is unworthy very often a magical practitioner on a certain path that has a certain interest in certain areas of magic and that what they want to do is they want to train a younger version of themselves is what a lot of people do so when someone is on a magical path has created a magical system they kind of look at themselves they don't necessarily do that on purpose and decide i am going to teach everyone else like i would teach a younger version of me but their perspective shows a lot and this is both good and bad because it's good to a certain extent in that you can literally break things down logically and create some kind of curriculum or book or something like that that makes sense to someone that's very similar to you and it can save them a lot of time it is bad because of course it doesn't teach everyone 
is also bad from the perspective that to a certain extent learning and being given information I mean what is good teaching at the end of the day you know people are taught in schools to add subtract to read and write I don't see a huge amount of teachers in English or maths teaching by critical thinking by them trying to work out and reverse engineer you know you don't in science get taught okay there's this concept of a light bulb we've seen them all go away and design one they don't do that they don't say go and reinvent what the masters before you have tried to do instead we'll just tell you how the masters did it and what that does is that creates copy and paste culture one thing that i see probably more than anything aside from plagans and fucking idiots who like to dress up in the occult community is people that only have the abilities that they have either because they were born with them and have probably not really improved them that much or expanded them or people that have just been given the answers to regurgitate you know you see this a lot within ceremonial magic particularly you're seeing this increasing amount with witchcraft for me the occult was forbidden you know to a certain extent of course they would have called the occult forbidden i mean look at the bible for fuck's sake it's full of magic and all sorts of mystical crap in that but for me i was not allowed to watch certain programs i wasn't allowed to read harry potter i was allowed to read the bible i was allowed to interact with certain people but not others i was allowed to have certain friends but not others my sisters were only allowed to really interact with people okay some people from school but they were really told that they should only really interact with people from the church and were certainly only allowed to entertain the idea of going out with or marrying or dating someone from the church obviously with chaperones and such um but for me i took that and from a young age what i always had was i had people watching me over my back making sure that i never strayed away from the path they thought i should take which would be probably some sort of you know religious preacher or something like that son of a preacher man becomes a preacher man type thing is what they kind of expect i guess but for me that was wonderful because I didn't have any occult teachers. I didn't have anyone teaching me tarot cards. I weren't even fucking allowed tarot cards. I had a book that I wasn't really all that interested in, but it contained a lot of magic. I saw a lot of magical practice and mysticism and that. I saw people claim to talk and listen to angels and Jesus come to them in dreams and such like that. And my mind is a little bit kind of, a, of an engineer's mind. I like to take things apart. And I suppose one of my natural abilities because I'm terrible at English and maths and things that a lot of people are really really good at um, that everyone takes for granted spelling and shit can't do any of that struggle with ABC's months of the year still can't do that shit but I can create and hold somewhat complicated 3D models of things in my mind uh, which means that I was always very good at engineering and building things and such because I could make blueprints and machines and such in my mind and then just go and make them and they'd work you know 
I thought that was normal. Apparently that's not normal. But what I can also do is that with the occult world, I can take the entire system of creation, every magical law, everything, and hold it in my mind and tinker. So that was a natural ability of mine, you know, just a talent, I suppose you could say, which suited me very well. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has the ability to see, sense and feel energy from day one. I realised that very quickly. Others don't. Most people, when you look at magic and you learn it, it from these fucking psychics and people that go on television claiming to speak to the dead and such, a lot of people get the impression that it cannot be taught, that you have to be born a clairvoyant or clairaudient or that kind of thing. It's very much pushed. It was certainly pushed back in the day, less so now with all the TikTok social media witches and such but it is still one of those things that is bullshit the first thing you need to know and to get to know is yourself your own biases your own ways of thinking your own your own strengths and weaknesses and to understand how you as a person and an individual actually learn and then what you need to do is you need to apply that to the rest of your life whenever you need to learn how fucking mortgage rates work or how to refinance or you know how to cook or whatever you need to do for training for your job you need to understand how you function how you work and then try and find a way whether it be a standardized way of learning like a system of learning like there are different systems of note-taking or teachers that are similar to you that think in the same way that you do that are probably probably better qualified to teach you we try our absolute best by the nature of what we do to go out of our way to try and understand that's why we mentor one-to-one -one and we can't really do it as a group you know to understand the individuals so when you take someone on it's no good me teaching them as if they are a young liam mini me for example and that is what i think a lot of people tend to do you see a lot of uh, ego and bias and such towards magical systems and that's both true and a good thing and a bad thing it's a good thing because believe you me there are absolutely bullshit magical systems out there that won't teach anyone anything because they're bullshit right there are other good magical systems that only suit certain people and don't suit other people, you know. There is such a thing to a certain extent as universal truth and concepts, but we can display them. For example, if I do a self-portrait of myself with paint, I might draw myself and it might be in photorealism. I might paint with watercolours or something like that. And it might look quite good. It might look almost as good as a picture. That's a depiction of me. If I get someone that likes acrylic paint and really likes fucking cubism, like Picasso, they might do a portrait of me. And it might look very different, like considerably different. Which one of those is a portrait and not a portrait? They're done in different styles, aren't they? But they still get the end result, don't they? Do they, don't they? Obviously, the answer is no. They don't get the end result. They are both a portrait of me, who 
is ordering the portrait. So if it was commissioned and I said, I want a portrait of myself. You could say, well, I was stupid to employ someone that specializes in cubism to draw a portrait when I'm expecting it to be more Renaissance style or, you know, photorealism or something like that. But I don't know fuck all about art. So how am I supposed to do that? Artist, draw me a picture of me. You know, if we apply that to the occult world, there are a lot of specialisms. There's a lot of specific flavors of magic and these people do very they can apply that magic that system to a lot of different areas with mixed results i see this a lot with healing i see this with a lot of people within the herbal root herbal medicine blended with magic folk magic medicine and that kind of thing where people can work some wonders with herbs and people can apply that to money magic and people can apply that to other forms but that is still a limitation because What if I'm wanting something specific? What if I'm wanting to manifest a specific thing in a specific way? I'm ordering a likeness of me as a portrait that I want to look exactly like me. And I've asked someone that's basically drawn some sort of modern art shit. They've just smeared paint on a canvas and flicked brushes at it and it don't look nothing like anything. It just looks like fucking paint smudges on a canvas. But that's modern art for you. Concept art, as they say. All about the story and the marketing, isn't it? Not saying that's a bad thing. But, you know, the skills in a different area used to be that the skills in painting. Now the skills in the marketing of it shows us a lot about the times that we live in, I suppose, doesn't it? But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Magical practice and what did I learn from magical practice? Well, some people know that I have in my possession a very old spell book. It's well over 100 years old now at this point. It's a very big spell book. It looks a lot like uh, that book of shadows from the uh, that TV show Charmed. Um, except it's like got gold on the sides. It's quite fancy. Some people have seen it. Uh, that was my, not my first spell book, because I managed to get that a couple of years ago, that particular book. But I use it as a spell book. It's actually the Holy Bible. And all of the magical practice that I have, I built up myself. It was not until my late teens, and bearing in mind I was working as a professional cunning man doing actual magic, getting paid to do magic before I ever read a book on Wicca, before I ever re read a book on the occult, which surprises a lot of people. I did not go about collecting books on the occult when I could. I didn't. I developed my own system from the ground up. Now, I was able to do that because one of the other things that I should mention is that, you know, I have a contract to do certain works here, which with that contract comes certain access to things. One of those things that it has access to is basically every me that has ever existed and will ever exist, which is a considerable amount of knowledge and such that can be drawn on. Um, other people don't have that. If you do have that, you're not going to be getting mentoring from us to teach you magic because you already fucking know magic. You already know how it works instead, obviously, with you people, because there are one or two of you. At that point, it's all about counselling, isn't it? And trying to help us 
help you keep your fucking psyche in one piece so you don't go crazy and get locked away in some padded cell somewhere. So for me talking about my history uh, within the occult and how I learned and how I taught myself and such is not going to teach you fuck all. And I think there are some people that is going to be listening to this and thinking, oh, we can learn what how Liam learned or, oh, I wonder, you know, his first spell, you know, the one that worked because a lot of people think that magic is very much like a science and it's actually the perfect blend of art and science is not purely a science and is not purely an art it's a blend of the two much like left and right hemispheres of the brain you need both to progress but you will have a bias towards one that's the one you lead with but one never forgets to work on their weaknesses so what is my energetic weaknesses you know, because I'm a little bit more mercurial, a little bit more left brainy, people kind of think that it is, that I structure things a little bit too much. You know, you have people that are just, oh, just let the energy take over you and just feel it. And I'm kind of like, no, I want to understand what I'm supposed to be feeling, where I'm supposed to be feeling it and what the fuck it is. Now, for me, obviously, I had ideas. I was always having ideas, always rebuilding the system as I saw it, as I got older, as I grew up, because that's what children do to a certain extent anyway. Me with the mind that I've kind of got, always creating big 3D models. I always had 3D models of people, so actual interactions with people which would be filed away and extrapolated, and I could have conversations with people in my head with a I suppose what you could say a holographic representation of that person which was very very interesting how much of that is psychic ability how much of that is just the strange brain that I've got if you ask a Dawkins type person they would say well you're able to predict outcomes and people because you have a very complicated uh holographic universe in your head or people you've got enough data on people that your mind and somehow creates conversations you change variables and then the holographic representation of a person responds in a certain way which basically means that when it's actually very accurate so when i go and then do that and have a conversation with someone they say word for word what my mind told them they would some people would say that that's very you know, mundane, not very witchy or magical at all. Other people would say, well, actually, that's psychic ability. You know, that, I don't know where it comes from. That's psychic ability. In reality, of course, left brain and right brain, it depends on your perspective. Both are, in fact, true. And I'm not going to say that this is some, you know, turn this into some sort of bullshit, whereby we say, well, magic is science and science is magic. People that are a little mercurial tend to have a reputation for ruining the magic. They want to know how it all works and explain how it all works. And they put it down in literally like mathematical equations and such like that. Other people hate that. The Venusian kind of right brain people, creative types, fucking hate that. They want everything to be a mystery. And the problem with everything being a mystery is that 
you don't tend to progress. And when you do, it's by fluke and it's very difficult to recreate. That's why a lot of people, when you ask them how their spells work, that are very Venusian, they can't fucking tell you. Nor can they ever teach someone unless they identify someone that works the same way as they do. They're fucking terrible teachers. At least they're very terrible teachers for mercurial people and also Venusian people as well. Because if that Venusian person isn't this doesn't work in the same medium as them, maybe they're a painter and they're trying to teach a musician. How the fuck is a painter supposed to teach a musician how to play a fucking instrument? You know? But there we go. The great occult teachers and ascended masters, they understand and have probably merged those two, but every single one of them had a bias towards one. You have a bias towards one. I had a bias towards one. I still, to a certain extent, have a bias towards one. The only difference is that I don't ignore the other and I make big strides and effort to involve the other, the creative side, the Venusian side, the... How could you be so stereotypical, stuck-up side? <laughs> hmm. So, legacy. What can I bestow upon someone that's listening? Bearing in mind, I've already basically said there's fuck all I can teach you because I don't know who you are. I suppose I could come out with some sort of bullshit philosophy and wise words and such like that. So... I suppose that's what I'll do. First one, I was taught by a very wise and powerful magician that I once met. The bird of paradise comes only to an open palm. Or, uh, the more you tighten your grip, Lord Vader, the more star systems will slip through your fingers, which basically is... The equivalent of saying when you really truly fucking focus on something like when you're trying to remember a dream or a memory or something like that the more you focus on the more it just escapes you you'll see a lot of this within magic people spend years and years and years trying to make and i've seen them trying to make rituals work trying to make spells work whether this the ceremonial magician that gets the perfect formula from an old grimoire like the lesser key of solomon or is some bullshit person that watches a TikTok video where some fucking idiot pours a bunch of herbs into a candle and then sets the fucker on, on fire in order to manifest a new boyfriend or job or money or something, you know? I've seen a lot of people try to struggle with trying to make this work because they copy others who are not able to teach. And they don't really get it. They don't really look themselves the first thing i tend to try to establish is people's world view when i establish people's world view how do you think magic works well i don't know how magic works i've never cast a spell i just want to learn tell me how it works liam no 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 tell me how you think it works if you can't tell me how you think it works put it this way tell me how you think it should work if you write, read a lot of fucking Harry Potter and watch a lot of Harry Potter, that's probably how your mind thinks magic works. And sure, it don't work like that. But that's how your mind, your unconscious mind, is going to view magic. And this is a super important 
thing that no one really discusses, which is the bias and the viewpoint of the person that is learning. If you are a solitary practitioner that's trying to learn from YouTube videos and books and such, you are not going to get very far. They never fucking do. Ever. It never happens. It never happens. A lot of the people that you think know a lot about magic and that are very well read can't magic their way out of a paper bag. A lot of the big name pagans, magical practitioners of the left hand path, of the right hand path, of this tradition, of that tradition, of this occult society, that occult society, are really quite magically inept. It's unbelievable when you understand real magic and you see how inept some of the most famous people are that apparently teach magic or are supposed to hold some kind of position. If you research secret societies and talk to masons and talk to people that study, you know, big occult lodges like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, you'll work out pretty quickly how completely inept some of the people at the top are. That does not mean that there are not great magical people out there, but it does mean that they fucking struggle. They really do struggle to teach because the occult is something that needs to be taken very seriously. And by taking things very seriously, I do not mean making endless notes saying yes, sir, no, sir. I mean embracing, embracing yourself, embracing all of yourself, not denying it, trying to understand what separates you from other people in terms of thoughts, feelings, politics, emotions, physical characteristics, anything, to really truly understand you, your own psychology first. And then to make sure that you get an overabundance of stimulation from things outside of yourself. What that means is what a lot of these lefty fucking looms go on and on about, which is embracing people that are different than you, you know, which for a lot of those sorts of people I've noticed, they never seem to embrace the old KKK white supremacist or the person that disagrees with them. They want to embrace someone with slightly different coloured hair than them, you know, someone that, well, I embrace veganism, but I'll also embrace vegetarianism. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, I might be a vegetarian, but I'm interested in these vegans. Or I might be a vegan, but I'll, I'll, I don't think these vegetarians have quite got it right. But I'll, 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 I'll still have lunch with them. I might eat the odd vegetarian meal just to appease them. I'm going off on a tangent, I know. But at this point, it's about once you truly try to get to know and understand yourself, is understand others and the differences. Because that's the stimulation that you're actually going to need to grow. Because guess what? You aren't going to be able to solve all of these occult riddles on your own. When you start to learn something like alchemy, or you start to learn horrible magic, or you start to learn spell casting, or go to various different parts of the astral, you're going to need stimulation because that's how humans work through stimulation. We are, to a certain extent, 
community-based. We require input from other humans. I'm sure you could cite studies and such about what could happen to the human mind if they're left in solitary confinement. I'm sure it's not a pretty sight. But the stimulation and the things in other viewpoints are things that you need to think about. And those things are, you're not capable of seeing that perspective. You aren't capable of seeing that perspective. You need to find someone else that is and do your best to understand that. Some people have noticed an overabundance of magical practitioners and witches that seem to collect people that work on a very different level. There is a reason why there is a disproportionate amount of magical practitioners with children with learning difficulties or behavioural difficulties or physical disabilities, people would say, whose minds work very differently. It is a resource for you and it is a lesson. It's very interesting. Doesn't mean that every single person who's a magical practitioner is going to have a child with Down syndrome or something like that. Don't get me wrong, but there is a disproportionate amount. People with a calling or the people that are called to practice magic. One thing that they have to always do is be prepared to step out of their comfort zone because the answers, the dragon balls, you've got to go and collect them on a little quest, which means going outside of your comfort zone. When we say in our own ivory towers, when we stay within our own magical practice, it's one of the reasons I fucking hate this cultural misappropriation bullshit. If we have a system of ceremonial magic, maybe I've learned all I can from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and have cobbled together some kind of magical system. Maybe I grew up and are initiated into something like Santeria or something like that. I have a structure, I have a means of working and such. I may not have created it, I may have inherited it, magically speaking, initiation in the physical world, family lineage, heritage, whatever, who really gives a shit doesn't matter. But in order to progress, I need stimulation, I need something to pit my skills against. Yes, I need to push. And in order to do that, you need to take things on that are outside of that system and understand that the system I have, my knowledge level, I don't have all of the answers. Even if I have the answers and know where to go, when you connect with, obviously, the higher self and the highest self, you will have all the answers. But obviously, that's a temporary thing and you can't exist in that state as a human perfectly functioning as every other human does. It's a kind of come and go, download, get what you can. It's kind of like when I worked at Coca-Cola doing maintenance, you were allowed to eat and drink whatever the fuck you wanted, but you weren't allowed to take it out of the premises, right? So we could drink Coca-Cola as much as that we want. We could grab it off the conveyor belt, off the production line, drink as much as you like. You can't store it, put it in your toolbox and take it home with you though. Library, like a library that you're not allowed to borrow books and take them home, right? Imagine that. You can go there as much as you want, look at whatever book you want, but you cannot take it all home with you. What you can do is you can take notes, okay? It's a lot of like how the higher self works. 
is actually a lot more complicated than that because when you merge with your higher self it's not just all, all about this bullshit new agey answers to your question shit i mean he's like putting on one of those gundam wingsuits where you've got superpowers essentially and can literally reshape everything obviously at that point when you're getting there you're going to be in a different frame of mind because you'll be a bigger thing and the real difficulty is going there with such an important goal job to do that when you get there and you assume the weight and mantle of that that you still think that you know fucking polly up because she cut you up on the roundabout all the time on the way to work is worth destroying an entire universe for when you get to that position you probably think well actually polly don't mean fuck all and she's gonna die of cancer in a couple of years time which that might be enough for you to come back and say well I visit my higher self, my higher self shows me that Polly is going to die of cancer in a couple of years time. I'm just going to save her that thought. I feel sorry for the bitch now, to be honest with you. Or it could just mean that when you get there, you're kind of like, well, okay, let's give Polly cancer in a couple of years time. It very much depends. But again, I'm going off on a tangent because that's a little bit too high level for the first part of this. So next point. So yes, Bird of Paradise comes only to an open pond, which basically means that you need to take a lot of vacation slash holiday from your work. What that means is not obsessing over things. You need to. The answers will come to you when you're most relaxed. And that doesn't mean sitting cross-legged on the fucking floor doing energy ball fucking yogi meditations or putting on some god-awful shite music that I swear they only actually ever play and sell in Glastonbury. I mean, who actually fucking listens to that bullshit? Um, you know, things like that. It is about taking time to revisit things. People in the occult community, people that I see, there are so many of them that get... Um, they get pissed off, they get upset that the answers aren't coming to them right away. People may have strong psychic ability and they feel that they need all the answers, they download the answers. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Okay. JK Rowling, when she wrote the Harry Potter books, she probably had an idea. She had a rough storyline, but it's only from reworking and going away and reworking that the, all of the intricate storylines and the complexity of the characters and world and all that sort of stuff starts to come also another thing how much does that bitch make up during interviews in other words from an occult perspective when other people ask you questions or require you and ask you to do work that means you visiting areas of magic or concepts that you've never bothered to think about again external simulation how much of that adds to your work that's incredibly important that's very important getting yourselves out of a a hole that you're digging for yourself is also extremely important not just from the perspective of it's a rite of passage for occultists but also from the perspective of well when you put yourself in a position that you either die or succeed you would be fucking surprised what you can do Nowadays, within magical practice, most people are too comfortable. A lot of the magic that we try to copy and paste is survivalist magic from tribes and cunning men and wise women and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that works and needed to fucking work. And was very fucking simple because it needed to fucking work. You know, trying to get someone to do 
some of the most simple cunning folk kind of charms and spells and such like that with nothing really on the line is not good and it shows because a lot of magical practitioners they wait until there is something on the line to practice they wait until they can't afford to pay the rent in order to do their first money spell if jeff bezos was using magic and he's one of the richest people in the world he might do money spells not because he needs the money or because he's greedy and however many hundred billion isn't enough for him he'd do it because realistically practice makes perfect magical practice requires practice so again bird of paradise comes only to an open palm don't be too hard on yourself but at the same time do be hard on yourself i was always incredibly hard on myself i still am i fucking hate it when i fail at something it drives me fucking nuts i'm very competitive and that ensures sometimes that i only take things on if i'm assured i'm gonna win so i only enter a race or competition that i'm assured i you know don't just do it for fun i ensure that i'm actually gonna win whether that's via cheating or whether that's just because i'm pretty sure you know and i don't always win but you know whether it be sure i stand a good chance of winning you know when it comes to magical practice and such sometimes you need to take on things that you are assured you're not going to be able to do in the gym we have this concept of one rep maxes which is the most weight that you can lift and you only know your one rep max by actually fucking doing it putting more and more weights on the bar until you cannot actually fucking lift it and then recording the last one that you could lift i've noticed from my time as a personal trainer that there are many complicated equations and calculators that you can use to work out someone's one rep max and you know what they're not actually accurate they're reasonably accurate sometimes but they're not accurate i had a client the other day which we tried to do their one rep max and i said we'll work that out from their five rep max and then i said look i know what your one rep max is but i'm not going to tell you why it is this is what the science says it should be we went up and up and up they went a considerably amount higher than what the computer said it was. Don't know why I started talking about that, but essentially pushing yourself from failure. We cannot afford and have never been able to afford to fail at things we need to succeed at, to survive. But warriors train not just in real life, battles do they they train with each other they train with simulations all of that kind of thing within magical practice if you have a work that means so much to you you know whether it's reaching a higher level of consciousness or downloading specific information or understanding a certain thing or being able to manifest a million pounds or something like that none of which are particularly difficult things realistically for someone with basic knowledge of magic and ability you don't do that on day one you work up to it how does that work for you what that doesn't mean is i'm going to do my first ever spell and i'm just going to drag it out for seven fucking days because that's what the udu book told me seven day candle i must be able to generate a lot it means measuring progress start off with the minimum denomination of currency 
one penny if you're in the UK, one penny, try to manifest a penny with a one specific spell, maybe a candle jar spell, then move up to two pennies, then move up to five pennies. You could go for three pennies, in which case you'd get probably three pennies or a two pence piece and a one pence piece. I would go up for the denominations of currency realistically, otherwise it's going to take a long time. But you're perfecting that spell, right? That spell, that individual spell. You don't say, oh, I manifested one pence with this candle spell. I know I'm going to go and do some fucking dance next. I'm going to go and do some water magic next. No, I'm working on perfecting and pushing this system of magic. This how I add the ingredients, the process, the ritual that I go to. I push and push and push and push. Okay, and I learn from the process because when I try to manifest a tenner, a ten pound note, why is it that I can't fucking do that? I can manage two, I can manage a five pound note, I can manage every currency underneath that, but I can't manage a ten fucking pound note. Why the fuck is that? Well, look at what your spell is, look at what alterations you've had to make to get to that level, progress, data, all of that sort of thing. Anyway, that is what I did on my occult path. I picked fights with things I could not beat to test me because you learn from failure. I picked fights with things that I could beat that I just thought were fucking complete things I didn't like and people I didn't like and smited them. I learned from that, you know, push yourself, push yourself. So there we go. You still listening? Because this is the end. The end is nigh. Well, it's not the end because there's probably going to be a part two, but who knows? If I'm not dead and Chris is not dead, then you might not see part two or ever even hear part two. Probably the regular edition of the podcast or the ramblings is going to come out by that, you know, to replace it. But either way, I suppose if I am dead, then... You will hear the part two. Don't know what that's going to be all about next. Where can we go from here? Anyway, light and dark blessings be with you. And if I am dead and you still haven't done your homework, I'm so fucking haunting you bitches. Bye and sleep tight. Mind the bed bugs, don't bite.